Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. This morning when our volunteers gathered, as we always do every Sunday morning, we... um, uh, we did a quick poll. How many of you have, uh, uh, this is my question to them, how many of you have ever uh, celebrated Lent? Or perhaps how many of you actually knew what you were doing when you did so? And um, there was a smattering of raised hands, but very few. Most people did not, um, had never experienced uh, what Lent was, and they didn't know what it was when they did celebrate it. So. Neither did I until I started studying it, thinking through it. I had a friend of mine that was in my life for many years. Mike was, he had, he had some handicaps and his speech was, was difficult and his, he, was, he was really sharp mentally but couldn't communicate it very well. And he was a friend of mine that, um, that I intentionally made time for because I knew that I needed him more than he needed me. Mike was the friend who would say to me, hey, Gene, what are you going to give up for Lent? And he would always have something that he was giving up and would encourage me to do so as well. But I had never been around anyone that had um, implored me to that level of denying myself. And to be, to be honest, I don't know how serious he took it, but he always, every year without fail, would remind me, Lent is coming, what are you going to give up? I asked a, a, a friend of mine who grew up Catholic, I asked him, so what do you remember about Lent? He said, well, we went to the church and had a fish fry every Friday night during Lent. That's what I remember. Beyond that, I don't really remember all that much. Well, the the, the season of Lent is the six weeks, the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday morning. And I don't know about you, but many times I've come into the church on Sunday morning of Easter, and I have been somewhat excited about it being Resurrection Sunday, But at the same time, if I have not spent any time preparing myself for the celebration of Christ's resurrection, then that time of Resurrection Sunday, that moment is a little bit diminished for me. Have you come into a church service where the pastor said, Christ is risen? Yeah, on Easter Sunday morning, if you grew up in the church, many of us remember that. And the congregation was supposed to say, He is risen indeed with great energy. Usually it was, Christ is risen indeed. And then the pastor would have to implore us, no, he is risen. Yeah. So we'd all back and forth until we finally had enough energy. But we had to conjure that up, right? If you're not on spring break this year on Easter Sunday, which given the demographic of our church, most of you will be online, which will be great. But... If you're in the building, and even if you're online this Easter Sunday morning, I may just get up and say, 
Christ is risen. And I hope that wherever you are Easter Sunday morning, that there is a shout of he is risen indeed because he is risen and he is our life. It is his resurrection that is our resurrection too. Without his resurrection, we're dead in the water, friends. Without his resurrection, we live powerless lives. But it is because of his resurrection that we too can rise to new life. So this, this period of time, um, I'm going to encourage you to pray Set your calendar to pray, um, make it work for you. Fast. When we fast, we deny ourselves of something, not to punish ourselves, but to remind us where our power lies, to remind us who has redeemed us. So, so determine now. Decide now. We always talk about decisions and choices. Decide now what you might deny yourself of during this season of Lent. Uh, let's, let's also just uh, be aware that as we approach Easter, we're going to have uh, our spring baptism on March 28th. So that's going to be Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, March 28th, we'll have our spring baptism, just an FYI. So this time of Lent, it's a time for us to pause and uh, consider one of the foundational tenets of our Christian faith, which is that we are all sinners in need of Jesus. Lent is a, is a season of lament, of repentance, of turning from what I've called the death march of sin to the hope and power of a resurrected Christ. Jesus, the living Christ, he is our healing balm. He is acting on our behalf. He's setting us free. He's restoring us even though we are dust and to dust we will return. Because in his actions, in his death and resurrection, we find the power to rise from the ashes. So this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. And I'm pretty determined that next Ash Wednesday we're going to have an Ash Wednesday service because uh, it's a great start to this season of Lent. And uh, it's called Ash Wednesday uh, simply because if we were to have a service, we would have ashes. If we did it appropriate, the right way, the right way, we would have burned the palm branches, the palm leaves from last Palm Sunday, collected those ashes, and used those to place the sign of the cross on our foreheads to remind us that we are dust and to dust we shall return. When I thought about the, the, the palm branches being burned, those ashes being used to remind us of who we are in light of who God is, I got a picture of, of these ashes representing our torched lives our burned-up relationships, all those things that we have experienced in our lives that have caused us pain, that have turned us in a direction that we didn't intend to go. Some of us, 
would say that we don't know anything different other than burned up relationships, that we don't know anything different other than torched lives. This morning, I'm going to just remind you that King David, after his, his, his affair with Bathsheba, Nathan, the prophet, came to him and said, you are the man, as he described, the sin of another man. He was actually talking about David, and David said, that man should die. And Nathan said, that man is you because you have taken what wasn't yours. You have sinned. And after, after David recognized his own position in front of God, And just as we, as we recognize our own position in, in, before God, we can no longer say, I've never known anything different. We can no longer say, I, I, I don't know what to do now. Because when we know, then we, like David, in Psalm 51, will say, my sin is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. And we, like David, when we become aware, then we must look inside first instead of looking to others, uh, for others to blame. We look inside first and we confess. We confess our own sin. And we say, again like David, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This morning as we begin Lent, on this first Sunday of Lent, I've entitled the message, Dear God. Dear God. This is perhaps the way some of us pray. Dear God, now please give me this and give me that and make this right and make sure that person knows they're wrong and I'm right and bless my day. Amen. The prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, he prayed a dear God prayer. But it wasn't like I just prayed. See, Daniel had been reading the book of Jeremiah. Here's one prophet. Daniel was a prophet too. But here's one prophet studying another. Here's one prophet being humble enough to say, whoa, I'm going to let that person speak into my life. What I'm reading right now is, being, is coming true right in front of my eyes. Daniel understood that where he was, he was in a foreign kingdom. He'd take, been taken out of his, his native country, taken to a foreign country. And now Daniel is pretty aged at this time. But he has been serving not as a, as a slave per se. In fact, he had been raised to the highest levels of government in a foreign country. Have you been, have you, are you in a place right now? where you don't know why you're where you are? Where you look around and you say, this is foreign land to me. I don't know what I'm doing here. I think I'll just step back. I think I'll just step back and remove myself from the situation. I don't have any power anyway. I'm going to step back. See, that's not what Daniel did. And it's good for all of us that he didn't. Because Daniel stepped forward. Daniel stepped in. 
Daniel had prepared his heart. He had said, this is who I am. I will not compromise myself in order to move anywhere other than where God has ordained me to go. And so Daniel says, I'm going to do my best right where I'm at. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to step back. I'm stepping forward. I'm going to step in. I wonder if you find yourself at a place where you don't know why you're where you are. And your tendency is to step back. I'm challenging you this morning that it's not, yeah, this is the same Daniel that was in Daniel in the lion den, right? So, be like Daniel. Yeah, we've heard that, right? If you grew up in church, you've heard that. Daniel, be a Daniel, right? Well, I'm saying to you, be a Daniel this morning and actually step into those places that you don't know if you're well-suited for. Step into those places where you know you're going to be challenged because you never know you never know what God will do in that moment when you say, pick me, pick me. Let me be that person. Let me be that person. Now, Daniel, he understood that his people's situation in this foreign land was the result of their spiritual wandering. But he also understood that the road to recovery was through confession. It was through repentance. Because you guys, you know what? What Daniel knew is what we must know, is that prayer, confession, and repentance precede freedom. If you want to live in freedom, you got to have right relationships. you got to be in prayer. There is confession, and there is repentance. So this is what he says. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. All right, let's pause there for a second. That requires something. Fasting, wearing sackcloths, which is another term for burlap, and sprinkling earth or dust on the head were public signs of sorrow and repentance. They were, they were a sign of humility. This was a, a Hebrew practice of open confession, admitting their sins to one another. This was a way of saying, I'm denying myself. That's also what fasting is, is I'm denying myself. I'm going to reject selfishness. Jesus, in Matthew 16, he was talking to his disciples and he said, anyone that wants to follow me has to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, we've spent millennia trying to determine what does that all mean? What does it mean for us to take up our cross and follow him? And that's a question that each one of us individually has to answer. Because for each one of us, it's probably a little bit different. What are the things in our lives that we would benefit from for denying ourselves of it? How would we more intentionally live our lives, live our relationships with each other and with Jesus by removing some of those things in our lives that are really not helpful. Or removing some of those things for a, a time to draw us near to Jesus. See, honest confession comes before worship because we cannot have a right relationship with God when we are aware of unconfessed sin. If we are aware of sin in our lives that is unconfessed, that remains hidden, we cannot have a solid relationship with Jesus, one that is honestly worshiping him, 
unless that is confessed. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. So now Daniel is coming before God, and he's not just praying for himself. He's praying for his nation. He says, uh, O Lord, you are great and awesome. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we, we corporately, he's praying now, we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Daniel is saying, We've ignored your messages. We decided that we weren't going to heed what we knew would hurt. See, truth is painful. Truth is painful. We think that maybe God didn't, doesn't talk with clarity like he did to Daniel. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God still speaks with, cl with clarity. He speaks clearly. He speaks accurately. He gives us the word of God, the scriptures. He gives us people that come alongside of us and speak into our lives if we're humble enough to hear it. He uses circumstances to draw us in. But we, we often don't like the truth. We, we wish for what our itching ears want. We prefer words that soothe, even if they're false. Guys, don't settle for a soothing lie that will bring harsh judgment. Truth, however painful it is, can only help you come into alignment with God. Can only help me come into alignment with God. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to come alongside each other and hear the truth that is spoken through each of us. Because if we have Jesus... We have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us wisdom and insight that is beyond us. Daniel continues in verse 7, Lord, you are in the right. So he's telling God what God already knows, but sometimes we need to say what, what, what we know God already knows, but we need to say it so that we will internalize it, so that we will believe it. So he says, Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O oh Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Again, he's telling God what God already knows, but he's saying, I know, I know you're merciful, I know you're forgiving. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now, so now, he, he, he's now uh, talking about the repercussions of that disloyalty, of that disobedience. Now he says, so now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. That word never reminds me of a word we all know really well, which is unprecedented. The disaster that has happened in Jerusalem is unprecedented. 
Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true, yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all of these things, for we did not obey him. See, God, even then and even now, uses circumstances. Yet even now, as then, disaster struck and they refused to obey. This morning, I wonder what it would take for you to pay attention. What does it take for God to get your attention? Daniel says, O Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt. So he's reminding God, hey, God, this is what you've done before. I'm trusting you again. This is what you've done before. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations, they mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O Lord, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, I'm reminding you, God, we're your people. This is your city. It lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy, because of your unfailing mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, Oh, dear God, for your people and your city, they bear your name. See, Daniel, he knew how to pray. Daniel fasted. He confessed. He pleaded for God's will. How do you pray? Do you pray? Is God a genie in a bottle for you? Rub the genie and it might give you what you're asking for. Do you pray with humility? Do you remind God, God, you've been faithful, thank you. Be faithful again. Do you come before Jesus and pray honestly? Do you say what is true? Is confession part of your practice? Because today, this first Sunday of Lent, as we confess and begin to realign ourselves with Jesus, we take these steps of confession. So if you're taking notes, you might want to grab these. These are the steps of confession that I'm giving you this morning. Number one, admit your sins to God. Like, get serious and get specific. Daniel didn't just say, hey, God, we've been sinning. Please forgive us. That's not what he said. Daniel got specific, real specific. Daniel didn't get specific to make sure that God forgave every sin. Daniel got specific so that he would recognize the brokenness in himself and in his people. God doesn't need to be reminded of how broken we are. He sees us. He knows our brokenness is before him. My sin is ever before me. Number two, ask God to forgive you. This is part of confession. 
Number three, ask God to show you what needs to change. This is called humility. Here I am, a broken human being. What is it in me that needs to change? Number four, accept God's forgiveness and grace. That's maybe the hardest one for many of us. To actually think that we would be worthy of the grace and mercy of God. Confessing our sin is to come into agreement with God. Agreement that we have sin. And that sin must be rooted out. It must be fought. And it must be killed. See, when you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive that sin. If we don't confess this truth, uh, you and I, we're living in an illusion. We're lying. We're deceived. Worse yet, we're calling God a deceiver. See, if we believe we have no sin and that it doesn't need to be killed, we're living in an illusion. We're not living in salvation. We agree with the writing of John in 1 John 1, when he said, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, if we live in confession, if we live in understanding, in honest understanding of who God is and who we are, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. There it is. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So don't let your past disobedience keep you from God. That discounts all of us. Rebels get mercy too. That's what we must remember. Even rebels get mercy. Your past doesn't need to control your future. Psalm 103 is one of my favorites because it speaks of the redemption of Christ for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. So, when you sin, when I sin, we have a choice to either back away from God, to recoil in shame and guilt, or to run to him. See, he's the only one that can free us from our sin. And depending on how you grew up, maybe I need to remind you that God is not sitting in heaven with a scorecard in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other. He is a father who is waiting for his sons and daughters to turn to him. So let me ask, what, what guilt what guilt are you carrying? What shame 
are you wearing? What confession do you need to make to God? I'll concur with you that confession is uncomfortable. We don't like to confess that we've done anything wrong. It takes a laying down of our pride and an increase in humility to say, I'm wrong. Especially if our wrongdoing is hidden when it's not visible. Thing is, confession is good for our soul. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It is effective. Who is a righteous person? It is the one whose sins have been confessed whose sins have been forgiven. You and I, all of us, we have a future, a future that is bright, but a future that is only the strength of our relationship with Almighty God and with each other. So receive His forgiveness this morning and step into a future that is bright and strong and beautiful. Would you stand with me? What I've found is confession, while it's not easy, it is about putting our cards on the table and committing to the creation of a clean heart. This is where freedom starts. My little granddaughter, Ophelia, is almost five weeks old. And it's hard to imagine that the trajectory that Ophelia is on is one that leads to physical death. But Ophelia, just like you and I, is given a certain number of days that will mark out her time on earth. See, this awareness that our lives count for something, that we're responsible for how we live them out, this should provide some level of initiative to keep our slate clean. So as we think about confession this morning, it is about regularly taking inventory. Because you guys living in spiritual freedom is surely one of the greatest gifts that we can ever experience. And then when our time runs out and we say with those gone ahead, we say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We are committed and we have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. And uh, 
Now we'll pray this slightly liturgical prayer. So let's pray together. Dear God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.